0: As we get to the point, Psalms for the Season. On Easter Sunday, we looked at Psalm 16. It talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, Psalm 1. Today, we find ourselves in a psalm in which 19th century preacher J.J. Stuart Perone said that he observed there is no psalm in which the absence of doubt, misgivings, fear, and anxiety is so remarkable. Alexander McLaren said that this psalm has dried many a tears and has provided the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that the pearl of all the psalms is found in Psalm 23. If I were to ask you today, What's your favorite psalm or what's the most famous psalm? I think most of us would say the 23rd psalm. It's a psalm, a Psalter, a a song about confidence and trust in the Lord. I pray in these next few minutes that your confidence and your trust in the Lord will only increase. Let's read it together. Psalm 23, today I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Of the Lord. The psalmist gives us a very high view of God as being the shepherd of his people. Now, notice in the very first verse, he starts off by saying that he has a personal relationship with the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd that's off in the distance, someone that's hard to get to know but rather a shepherd that the psalmist has a personal, intimate relationship with. As you read through your Bible, there are over a hundred names that are given for God. I believe around 108. Too many of those for me to list for you today, but let me give you just a few uh, to set the tone for the message. El Shaddai, he is the mighty God. Jehovah Jireh means The Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, God is our peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, this might feel a little bit unusual to us in 2020 and the culture in which we live, but In the Middle East, it was not unusual because kings were often referred to as shepherds. They had the job of overseeing, of taking care of their flock, their kingdom, their nation. In ancient societies, a shepherd's job, his work was actually considered the lowest of all jobs. When you use that word and and you said that someone was a shepherd, it truly meant that they were a servant. It it was not a job that everybody wanted. As a matter of fact, typically in a family, if a shepherd was needed to oversee the flock or the herd of the family, it would go to the youngest son in the family. Now up to this point, I have not addressed who is the psalmist of Psalm 23. I'm sure you know it was written by a shepherd boy named David, who became the king of Israel, the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Just a few weeks ago at the first of March, Misty and I, we were actually in the city of David, and we stood at the tomb of King David, a man whose love revered, a mighty king, not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination, but David was a great king whose life and story begins in the Bible as a young man. He's out in the field. He's the shepherd boy for his family. Here's this young, ruddy, fair-complected, most likely red-headed young man. And he's sent out into the field by his family to be the shepherd. Now, right off the bat, You've got to see David as not having a glamorous position. He had a tough job in being a shepherd because the shepherd would have to live with and care for the sheep 24 hours a day, day and night, summer and winter, rain and shine, good days and bad days. The shepherd labored to care for the sheep. Now, for just a second, I I want you to think about David and his life as a shepherd boy, becoming a king, now him calling God, Jehovah Yahweh, his shepherd. I want you to think about it. What juncture in David's life did he sit down and write the 23rd Psalm? Most scholars say it was not when he was a young man working for his father. Uh, It was not, most likely, when he was the king and when he was in the prime of his life. Most scholars say that David wrote this psalm in the latter years or days of his life. I've often heard it said that many times a man's last words are often his best words. He has a lifetime, a body of work, if you will, in his relationship with God, the highs and the lows, the failures, the disappointments, the victories. Now he looks back over his life and his relationship with God and of all the names that he could have called God in Psalm 23, he chooses this word shepherd. You know why, friends? Because he knew that God had been with him day and night, moment by moment, in the hills and the valleys, in the storms, in the peaceful times, in the hard times, David looks back over his life, and he says, it is clear to me, the Lord is my shepherd. Let me say, in order for any of us today to declare that the Lord is our shepherd, I believe it's necessary that we admit, realize, and understand that we are sheep. Let me tell you about sheep. Sheep are helpless. They're weak. They're fearful. Quite frankly, they're not very smart animals. Someone said he cannot know that God is his shepherd unless he feels in himself that he has the nature of a sheep. Friend, do you know? You know today that you are weak and helpless, and that you have the nature of a sheep, which means that you need a shepherd. Before you can have a shepherd, you've got to admit it. You've got to admit your need for God. That is square one in saying the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I'm going to circle back to that in just a moment uh, at the end of the message, but David begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. What else does he say about the shepherd? Well, at the end of verse one through verse three, he says, the great shepherd meets my needs. the end of verse one, he says, I lack nothing. I shall not want. God meets my needs. Friends, I remind you that scripture promises us that as children of God, that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. As David moves on in verse number two, he's pondering about sheep and and comparing himself to being a sheep. And he talks about what the sheep need. The sheep need food. And so what does God, the great shepherd, do? He leads them, he leads us into green pastures since the sheep need food. You know what the shepherd is always doing? He's always in his mind thinking about how he can sustain the flock and how he can get them to what they need. Friends, that reminds me today that our God provides our God always provides. You know why? Because he is a great shepherd. The sheep need rest. David says he leads them beside still waters. Those still waters there uh, represent refreshing and, and peace and rest. Some of you maybe have read the book by Philip Keller uh, entitled A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Keller was a shepherd himself. And so he had a front row seat uh, to being that shepherd that was always looking out for the flock. And he noted in his book that when the sheep need rest, there's four important factors. There's an environment that has to be created in order for the sheep to actually rest. He says, first of all, the sheep need to be free from all fear. They can't rest if they find themselves in a fearful situation. Second, they need to be free from friction. Sometimes in the flock and in the herd, you've got uh, a behavior, if you will, uh, personalities, if that's a good word. And so the sheep won't rest if there's some kind of conflict going on in the flock. The Third thing he said is they cannot rest in the presence of pests. When there's flies and and bugs, they cannot relax. They will not lie down and go to sleep. Finally, Keller said that the sheep cannot rest if in their mind they do not feel close to food or if they find themselves to be hungry. So let's just think about those for a minute and let me ask you the question. What's on your list today? what's on your list what's keeping you from resting in the Lord what's keeping you from resting in your shepherd you know at a time like this in the middle of our pandemic that we find ourselves in that pandemic and all the things that that we find are going with it the unknowns all of those things are just coming alongside the things that we already have in the normal course of life that cause us to be restless, to be unsettled. I guarantee I'm speaking to somebody today who's not been getting some good rest in the last few days because you've got a list just like Keller does. The great shepherd leads us into rest what else do sheep need sheep need restoration you know what they often do they often wander away from the flock and the herd and and david says in verse number 3 he restores my soul that means that word there restores means to refresh or or to renew and the spiritual overtone there is that is that sheep god sheep need this constant refreshing this constant renewal It's also a word of repentance, that when we repent, when we get things right with our great shepherd, it is certainly refreshing. When we drift from the fold, when we drift from the Lord, isn't it a good thing to know that our great shepherd welcomes us back into the fold when we repent and we are renewed by his grace? You know what else sheep need? Sheep need guidance they need to be led. They need for somebody to tell them which way to go. David says that our God leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God leads us in the way that we should go. If you were to go to Israel right now with me, I could take you to several locations and point at the hills and the mountains and the valleys. And I could say, look over there. Do you see those paths? Those paths are worn by the shepherd because the shepherd is leading the sheep. He's leading them to safety. He's leading them to green pastures. The shepherd knows the way of the sheep. David said, God knows the best path for all of us. Friends, oh, today, if we would only trust him if we would trust our great shepherd to lead us and to guide us and to sustain us. Now, at the end of verse three, I've got to note, why does he do all of this? He does this for his name's sake. He does it for his own glory. Yes, we, we reap the benefits. Friends, our Shepherd. It's really not about you, and it's not about me. It's all about him. God gets all the glory. We move into verse four, and David says about our shepherd that the shepherd is with us when we're going through the hard times. I I think that's why McLaren said that this psalm has dried many a tear, That, that this psalm right here is the psalm that many have poured their hearts into to have a peaceful faith. Why? Because we all find ourselves at times in the midst of difficulty. David said we even find ourselves at times in the valley of the shadow of death. I want to make the point here that the path of suffering and hardship is just as ordained by God as the path of green pastures and still waters say that again, God is in control of the path of difficult times. But yet we know that even through that valley, God is with us. Now, when you read through the Old Testament, do a word study on the valley of death, you'll find that it's used over 20 times in the Old Testament. And in its context, it is primarily talking about death. But here it seems that David is using it in the context of trouble and crisis. I'll never forget on one of my journeys to Israel, we went out into a kind of a remote area with some higher mountains and some deep valleys. I found out later that I was in the area of the Wadi Kelt. You can look that up. It's an area between Jerusalem and Jericho. Its name means the valley of the shadow. It's a very steep uh, mountainous range down into a a valley that it is said that the sun does not touch the floor of that valley. But that valley was the best way for the shepherds to take the sheep from the Jordan River Valley to the hills of Judea for the times of grazing. It's a rough and a, a rugged terrain. It's even said this was an area of thieves and robbers in this valley. I would say to you whether we're talking about dying or death or we're talking about hardship in verse number four, I remind you today that God is with us. Friends, in our hard times, in our difficult times, you know, not not just this COVID situation, not not just this pandemic, but in health issues and family issues, for some of us, it's employment issues. For some of it, it's a some of us, it's a struggle just in our daily walk with the Lord. That's why He said at the end of verse number four that that God is with us, His rod and His staff. They comfort me. Remember, that rod and that staff was there to guide and to to rescue or to bring back into the fold. Quite honestly, sometimes it was there for correction. But when the shepherd corrects, he's trying to bring us back in close to himself. Why? Because the shepherd wants to have a personal relationship with the sheep. Let me move on real quickly and finish in verses 5 and 6. Good news. David reminds us that the shepherd will never leave the sheep. He never le- he doesn't take a break. He doesn't walk off and leave the flock. He stays with them all of the time. It's interesting, though, in verses five and six, that the psalmist seems to pivot a little bit from the imagery of a shepherd to now being a host at the banquet table, the host of a banquet that never ends. Now hear me, this section is is not just about the provision of food. In verse five, as he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, refreshing me with the anointment with oil, the picture of the cup of blessings and abundance. Remember in the Old Testament world that eating and drinking at someone else's table was actually a, a symbol of a deep bond or a, a mutual relationship and friendship. You may remember back in Exodus chapter 24, verses 8 through 12, it says that when the elders of Israel beheld God, they sat down and ate and drank. What happened in the New Testament at the Last Supper when Jesus announced? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This new covenant was established with the disciples while they were eating at a table. Now, please hear me. Verse five, David is not giving the picture of stopping by the king's palace and having a really good meal, a one-time event, and then moving on. No, this is a feast with the great shepherd that lasts forever. I remind you again, it's all about relationship. Forever, nothing, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. As a child of God, I will never be uninvited to come and to sit at the table. Now, let me close How does one sit at the table? How can one say, the Lord is my shepherd? I'm so glad that you asked. The New Testament, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, in one of his I am discourses, which of course ties back to the Old Testament, when God told Moses, you tell them I am that I am. Jesus himself said this. You ready? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Friends, right now, if you have a personal relationship with the good shepherd, then you know that Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life no man will go to the Father. Let's tie that into Psalm 23. No man will sit at the table of the feast or the banquet in heaven unless he goes through Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, has there been a time in your life where you have repented of your sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you today if you've joined the church, if you've been baptized, if you've said catechisms. I'm not asking you today if You one time repeated a prayer that a pastor had you pray. I'm asking you today, have you been born again? Have you repented of your sins? Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sheep, that you're helpless and hopeless. Unless God, the great shepherd, sends to us the good shepherd, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and shed his blood, so that we could have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That's the way you become a child of God. That's the way Jesus said you enter into the door, the sheep door, you come into the fold by being born again by God's grace. Has there ever been a time when you've called out in humble submission and repentance, you've called on the name of the Lord and asked him to save you? If you have, then you know that you have a personal relationship with the great shepherd. And you know what? Until you die, or until the Lord calls us home, Jesus returns, we can all say together in verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me, be with me all the days of my life until I breathe my last breath. And when I breathe my last breath here on this earth, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord, not for a two-week vacation, not for a few months. But I'm going to be with the great shepherd forever, for all eternity. Do you know him today? Can you say he's your shepherd? My, oh my, what a psalm this is. I don't know if I've done it justice today, but I hope, I've, I hope that I've just wet your appetite to dig into this psalm and to realize the blessings of knowing the great shepherd. God, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the beauty of it. Thank you that David sat down and wrote it in the latter years of his life. Oh, how it's ministered to my soul in times of sadness and bereavement, in times of difficulties, in times of loneliness, In times of turmoil, how many times have we opened it up and read Psalm 23, and it's dried our tears and lifted our spirits? God, I pray for every person listening right now. That's what's happened today in these few moments. God, if there's someone that doesn't know Jesus as the good shepherd, I pray that today they'll be saved by your grace born again, born from above. For Christians today who are struggling alone, God, give us comfort and strength and grace and mercy that we need today to carry on knowing that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I pray this in Jesus' name.